Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about how most of the world's lying comes from a small group of people, an invisible dye that stores vaccine history in the skin, and how language shows that the ways we feel emotions are not universal. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Have you ever heard the phrase, everybody lies? This idea isn't just the guiding philosophy of the medical drama House. It's a common belief in real life, too. But is it true? Well, not exactly, according to a recent study published in PLOS One. Instead, the study found that a small minority of people tell most of the world's lies. Yeah, most lying is done by just a small handful of people. Researchers from the UK and the Netherlands recruited 194 people, half men and half women, and quizzed them on their lying habits. Specifically, they asked about a few things. How many lies they had told in the last 24 hours, the types of lies they told, who they lied to, whether the lie was delivered face-to-face, and how good of a liar they considered themselves to be. The team found that overall, people told an average of 1.6 lies in the last day, which might suggest that, yeah, everybody does lie. But that average was heavily skewed. Six of the nearly 200 participants, that's less than 1% of them, they told nearly 40% of the lies reported in this study. Just six people. The most prolific liars were also the most likely to report being really good at lying. The team found that these expert liars tend to have a way with words and often weave their lies into simple, true stories so they're hard to distinguish from what's real. They also tend to prefer fibbing to your face rather than over text or on social media, and they're more likely to lie to friends and colleagues than family or authority figures. Overall, though, both prolific and occasional liars most commonly admitted to telling little white lies, exaggerating information, and telling lies of omission. Garden-variety liars were less likely to make things up whole cloth or bury their lies in truth. This study is important because past research suggests that people have about a 50-50 chance of correctly detecting a lie. The team believes that by studying the liars instead of the people being lied to, we might boost our odds of sniffing out deception. So if you are a perpetual Pinocchio, be warned, scientists are on to you. How many lies have you told in the last 24 hours? Ooh, I don't think I've told any lies in the last 24 hours. I really do make a point not to lie. It makes life easier. It's like Mark Twain said, like you don't have to remember that much if you're not making anything up. Did Mark Twain say that? Yeah, the quote is, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. It does take a fair amount of creativity to lie. It does. So really, if you don't lie, you're just lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to put in all that effort. I don't have time for that. (laughs) What if you could store your medical history on your body? Well, MIT researchers have figured out a way to do just that. They've developed an invisible tattoo that could one day be used to store people's vaccination history, not in complicated medical records, but right on their skin. See, vaccines save lives, but not as many as they could. About 1.5 million people die each year because they weren't appropriately vaccinated, most of them in the developing world where medical records aren't stored in a central accessible database. This means doctors often don't know what vaccines a patient needs. Spotty records make it especially hard to give vaccines that require multiple doses spaced out at specific intervals, like the vaccine for measles, mumps, and rubella, for example. The MIT researcher's invisible tattoo offers an interesting solution to this problem. Why not store vaccination records on patients' bodies in invisible ink? 
The ink in question is made of nanocrystals called quantum dots, which emit near-infrared light. That means the ink isn't visible to the naked eye, but smartphones can still detect it. The invisible dye is administered right along with the vaccine, but instead of using a traditional needle, it's injected with microneedle patches. The quantum dots are only four nanometers across, half the size of a red blood cell, but they're encased in spheres thousands of times larger that are made of a body-friendly material. Those help the dye stay in place under the skin. By selectively placing the dye in certain microneedles within the patch, researchers can inject it in a pattern that corresponds to the type of vaccine it was administered with. It's early days, but invisible ink-enhanced vaccines look promising so far. Rats given polio vaccines with and without invisible ink had similar immune system responses, which means the dye doesn't hurt the vaccine's effectiveness. The ink lasts a while, too, at least five years based on trials run on human tissue. Researchers need to do more safety tests before actually injecting people with quantum dots. But one day, Invisible Ink could give centralized medical databases a run for their money. Today's episode is sponsored by Capterra. New year, bigger goals. Get the big things done the better, faster, and easier way in 2020 with Capterra. It's the free website millions of people use monthly to find software for their business. Capterra simplifies the software search to just a few easy steps. First, identify the software features you need. Then use the smart search tool plus filters to find the right software for your industry. Save your favorites to a short list and compare them side by side. Find your best choice at capterra.com curiosity. When you search at capterra.com curiosity, you don't just see a list of software. You'll also find resources like articles and tools that'll let you compare features of different products and services. With over 1 million reviews from real software users, discover everything you need to make an informed decision. Visit capterra.com slash curiosity for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. capterra.com slash curiosity. Capterra, that's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash curiosity. Capterra, software selection simplified. Most every language has a word for love, right? But how do we know that the English word for love describes the same feeling as the French word or the Bengali word or the Arabic word? When I say I love you, does it really mean the same thing as je t'aime or ami tomake palo bashi? That last one was in Bengali, by the way. Shout out to our listeners in India. All of those statements may not mean the same thing, according to a new study. Emotion words actually vary in meaning across cultures. Researchers from around the world mapped emotion words used in a whopping 2,474 languages from 20 major language families. To determine what these emotion words really meant to the language, they looked at instances where multiple concepts might be expressed by the same word. Like the Persian word for grief, andu, can also mean regret, while in the Dargwa language, dard is the word for both grief and anxiety. That suggests that to Persian speakers, grief may be an emotion closer to regret, while it might feel more like anxiety for Dargwa speakers. Across the board, the researchers found that emotion words vary greatly in meaning. So while Google Translate might tell you two words are the same, they could actually describe pretty different emotions. This might sound like it's out of left field, but it actually builds on a lot of research that suggests that while humans all feel the same set of biological sensations, their interpretations of them are different. I mean, you probably feel butterflies in your stomach when you're afraid and when you're excited, but the name you give that feeling depends on whether you're on a roller coaster or a first date, right? 
So it's not a stretch to imagine that the word for happiness means feeling upbeat in Western individualist cultures, but refers to a more solemn, reserved emotion in Eastern collectivist cultures. And it does, according to past research. This all suggests that our emotions are shaped by biology and culture. The language we have available to us could actually change the emotions we feel. Biological sensations may be universal, but emotions? They're more complicated. At the very least, our emotion words aren't easily translated. So no, love probably doesn't mean the same thing in every language. The good news, though, is that the scope of human emotion could be bigger than we thought. And that means we have lots more to learn about each other. So what did we learn today, Ashley? Well, we learned something that's kind of good news. Most of the lying is done by a small handful of people, which suggests that most people aren't lying that much. That is definitely good to know. And we also learned that a team from MIT is working on a new dye made from nanocrystals called quantum dots that can stay under your skin for at least five years, emitting near-infrared light that you can detect to know if someone's vaccinated. And I learned that I can say a sentence in Bengali. <laughs> also, that emotion words aren't necessarily conveying the same things across languages. Yag Alskar Skopador. What does that mean? That means I love turtles. <laughs> In Swedish. I'm trying to learn Swedish because I'm going to Sweden. You're doing great. You're crushing it. Today's stories were written by Steffi Drucker, May Rice, and Kelsey Donk, and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode of Curiosity Daily was scripted, produced, and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.